0: You are listening to the Food Means Business podcast, which features the personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a CPG food and beverage business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. Noah, welcome to the Food Means Business Podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So happy that you're here. So before we jump in to hear all about your company, we'd love to hear about your story, how you went from corporate to launching your own business.
1: It's a great question. And I I ask myself that every single day. I'm like, it was such a a nice life in corporate. What did I do? I I don't know about you, but I had an expense account. Oh man, (laughs) I had an expense account too. Now I I'm like, where's the cheapest hotel that I can stay <laughs> exactly, at? It's great. Exactly. It's a wonderful life. Uh, no, look, I, I, th- it happened really organically for me. I, I was at Sotheby's auction house. You know, that that's the corporate I was at. And it was there that I started looking at my my diet a little bit more. And, and even less so what I was eating because I'm a pretty clean eater. But I started looking at the quote unquote better for you beverages that I was drinking. And I realized that everything was slammed with sugar. Even these things that had great functional benefits or might have the organic stirred on them, they had anywhere from 16 grams to 32 grams of sugar in them. And it was slowing me down. So for me, I started looking for alternatives that I could drink, something that was flavorful, ideally had the functional benefits, but didn't have so much sugar in it. And that's how I really kind of came across hibiscus, searching for that beverage. Uh, and I started making it home and, and really didn't want to leave corporate. There was no intent after like <laughs> trying that. It wasn't like that magical moment where I tried it and I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> it was like 18 months of like, don't do this. And, but researching and finding that there might be white space. So that was that was really the beginning of the journey.
0: So why hibiscus and not some something else?
1: Well, probably because hibiscus is what popped up for me. Could, it could have been turmeric. It could have been ashwagandha. Who knows? But no, I mean, hibiscus is this kind of miracle ingredient. It's a miracle flower, a miracle plant. Um, It's been around for over a thousand years. There are over 200 different strains of it. They all range in different flavor profiles as well. But for me, it was this really beautiful, juicy, tart flavor that got me addicted to it. And that that was the linchpin for me. But as I started researching the functional benefits of hibiscus, I was like, this is crazy. Why doesn't this exist on commercial shelves?
0: So you had this epiphany and you're like, why doesn't this exist? So tell us like, what were the steps you took to, to kind of get the ball rolling?
1: I mean, again, I, I really would say it was probably maybe a six to 18 month period where I, I really started looking at commercial shelves. I mean, that was start one, just being like, does this exist? Can I buy this at a supermarket? And I couldn't, aside from the tea leaves, of course. Then it was kind of understanding why this doesn't exist on commercial shelves. Has there been any predecessors in finding a couple of brands that had tried launching in the past and didn't succeed and, and understanding why they didn't succeed? What were the learnings that I could embrace from that? And then he was talking to founders. I mean, like I would just cold call every beverage founder under the sun who would talk to me and be like, I'll buy you coffee. I'll buy you lunch. Like, please just sit down with me and learning how to build a beverage company from there.
0: I think it's so important to reach out to those in the industry. I, I was able to do the same thing um, in, in building Hudson Kitchen, and it was really invaluable because there was a lot of lessons that they learned that I didn't learn. Yeah. It was good. 100%.
1: It's a cheat code.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. So you, you, know, you talked to all these founders, you've done your research, you realize that there's white space. And then how do you go about like, kind of formulating this product? Did you hire a recipe developer? Like, what, what were your next steps?
1: So I I hired an ops consultant again, like talking with all those beverage founders, the number one feedback point was like, if you don't know what you're doing on the operation side, find someone who does, or you're going to lose a lot of money. So I found this amazing ops consultant, John Ciaroli, who'd been in beverage for 20 years. And really interestingly, the formulation just wasn't that difficult. Going back to hibiscus being a miracle ingredient, it's naturally acidic which means that it's shelf-stable from the get-go without any preservatives or additives. Where, where you find a lot of difficulty, a great example is um, RTD, ready-to-drink coffee, cold brew. A lot of people are like, I make great cold brew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this to market. It's going to be amazing. But making sure that that product is shelf-stable means that you need to put a ton of ascorbic acid or citric acid into the product, which changes the flavor profile dramatically. I didn't have that issue. It was easy to replicate what I was already making because the acidity quotient was already there.
0: So now you're in like all these stores, right? So let's talk about like in the beginning, like how'd you start out? Like how many stores were you in when you started? Because <laughs> yeah. look, we look at the big success and think, oh my God, they're in a million stores. How can I get there? And it's a little bit intimidating, but honestly, most of the time it just kind of starts step by step.
1: Absolutely. Do not go into a million doors, period. Like <laughs> by the way, if you're launching a brand and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to start in a million doors. Like, and you can do that. Don't do it. Like <laughs> brand penetration takes way too long. You will die on shelf. I will say what we did have from the get go, which, which was extremely intimidating. And we are both extremely blessed and was very challenged in the beginning because we had Whole Foods as a partner from the get go. And that's a very big door to compete in and they're an amazing partner. So the pressure is on to make sure that you're driving velocity from the get-go. But aside from Whole Foods, we were just really focused on finding 30 brand builder doors. And what I would define a brand builder door is, is like, if we're talking in, uh, metrics of digital marketing, there's ASOB, which is average share of voice. If you think of a beverage fridge as one web page and your average share of voice is competing with all the other brands, at Whole Foods, your average share of voice is probably like 1%. It's tiny. But if you can find a brand builder account where there are only four other brands on shelf with you, your average share of voice is 20%. So your brand awareness is peaking out. If you can figure out those brand builder doors that will also cycle over to Whole Foods buyers, that's a real opportunity. So that was our focus in the beginning.
0: Oh, wow that's that's really great and thank you for explaining it in, in terms of a web page cuz that's where i came from that's my background <laughs> awesome awesome perfect all right so you're you're into you're into the 30 brand builder doors and and so you you've actually you saw some velocity there with those so talk about what happened next
1: more of the same i will say this business is a lot of groundhog day like you know we we talked about this before i am i'm currently in a hotel in miami away from my wife who is at home in New York City. And today I'm going to demo Whole Foods. Like, wake up, rinse, wash, repeat. After you get the 30 doors, get 30 more. After you get those 30 more, can you get 100? That's, you know, how do you support them? How do you create brand awareness in those moments too? But it's it's definitely growth, pause, support. Growth, pause, support, and so on and so forth.
0: That's great. Thank you for breaking it down in that way. Talk a lot about the first products that you launched, because I know that there was the hibiscus water first. Yeah. And then you kind of made some extensions to that. So.
1: Absolutely. No, we, we started with um, two products in the beginning. And again, on, on the scale of things that you would do differently, that's, that's 100% one of them. We launched with two SKUs. Horrible choice. Launch with at least three SKUs. Like two SKUs, you give someone the ability to be like, one of these is fine, the other one's not. Or if they take both of them, you still only have two skews on a shelf full of a million skews. But one of the skews we launched with was Lightly Sweetened, which isn't a flavor. That doesn't exist. Like, that's not like a, hey, what's your flavor? And you're like, Lightly Sweetened. Like, no, that's not <laughs> a thing. So would not have done that. And look, we, we heard from the get-go, even pre-launch, you know, people would be like, you know, this is pretty tart. Like, this is an acquired taste. And I'd be like, meh, you'll figure it out. You'll see what I see. Like, you'll see, tart is good. So, like, listen, consumers don't lie to you. Like if they're telling you that something's an acquired taste or interesting, you need to reformulate and you need to find a better product. So consumers were telling us, you know, this is too tart. But if you put some bubbles in it, I think I would actually probably really like it. So we did product development and R&D really, really quickly and released our sparkling line one year after launching. And that that one took off in a really nice way.
0: You launched a sparkling line with the, what, two flavors? Is that right?
1: We launched sparkling with three. We the launched ring. still okay. with
0: two. Oh, by the way, as I was doing research, I was like, I have a flavor idea for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. I'm fully for it. I like peach. Something peach would be really I like great.
1: like peach too. I don't, I, the interesting thing is if you look at shelves, there aren't a lot of peach flavors on there. Again, it's one of those things where it's like consumers don't lie. Yeah. If there aren't peach flavors, that means that people have tried peach flavors and they die.
0: Okay, so hear me out. So I think yes, it's hey, region. I think it's regional, right? So I my I grew up in the South. My family's from the South, and so when we would go visit family in Mississippi, we would go get this knee-high Peach Soda. Yeah, amazing, really sweet, but you can't really find it anywhere else. So all I'm yeah. just saying is like, thank- <laughs> does knee-high Peach Soda still exist? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm looking at the nutrition panel <laughs> right now. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm looking this up. Yep, you you you, know, you just opened the can of You know worms. it's bad. You know it's bad. <laughs> oh
1: man, it's a pink, pink product. Let's see if I can get the nutrition. But
0: oh, it was that wow. thing I only, we only drank it in the summer because that's when we went to visit family in, in, in Mississippi. And so I loved it. And so when I drink sparkling water, sometimes I look for peach.
1: This has 310 <laughs> calories in it. I haven't had it in 20 also, years. I'm just thinking. We got <laughs> <gotta>, <laughs> okay, it. We got it. We talk about it. How much sugar is in this? Do you know how I want you to guess how much sugar is in the <laughs> high like, peach soda? Even,
0: I don't even want to know. Take a guess. <laughs> Take a swig. I want you what, to like guess. Ink, like in grams, like what, 30 grams? 100 grams? In grams. In grams. Yeah. 30 grams? No. 200 grams.
1: Less than 200. Don't worry. Less than 100. Okay. So 70 grams. I'll say that. More than 70 it's <laughs> 83 grams of sugar it's crazy
0: by the way that might actually be per start. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is a 20 ounce beverage oh it probably my is. god wow okay it's been a long time
1: this is a great example though like you uh, you you strike me as a very healthy person right yeah yeah totally. and you love that you love the high peak soda i right? do
0: i would drink it you know I haven't had in a really long time. It's probably literally yeah. been 20 years, but I totally, if I saw one, I'd buy it and I would drink it.
1: Totally. And you would love about <laughs> it. But this is like, so this is what I always find fascinating. Consumers, of course, they, they, they do want to get off sugar. There's no question. Like we know as rational human beings that getting off sugar is the right thing. It causes heart disease. It causes brain fog. It causes obesity. It's the sugar is bad. Like it just is. And a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to get natural sweeteners, which I prefer to call non-nutritive sweeteners because they have zero nutritional value whatsoever. And natural sweeteners is kind of a nomenclature that sounds good, right? but actually doesn't tell you what it is. Right. And if you dive into things like Cedia, aspartame, which of course just came out as a carcinogenic, monk fruit, erythritol, which has come out causing heart disease now, you not only find that these things are harmful for you, but the thing that's spoken less about, which I find fascinating is that they are a magnitude sweeter than organic cane sugar is on your palate. So the way I always kind of explain so that is, um, do, you, do you like spicy food? I do. So when you first tried something spicy, though, did it, it blew your head off, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And now you can't get enough of it, yeah, right? Exactly. You're just like, give me... Yeah. Sugar is the... Sweetness yeah. is the exact same thing. So it's one of those things where if you're like, I don't want sugar, I'm going to have Stevia, which is around 600 times sweeter than sugar. You're still training your palate to desire sweet things. So you're not able to experience the full flavor profile of things that are usually organic or real because you've been trained on this really crazy lab created formula that is, I'm going to, I don't want to curse. I'm going to say, Essing our palate,
0: (laughs) completely Essing our palates. Okay. I was just giving you a flavor idea. I'm just saying. (laughs) Look, I was just—I was going off of my PR team's no, talking points. It. Okay, you queued me up, and I just knocked it out I of the park. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do have to say, like, I—I long—I trained myself out of drinking sweet beverages. So, like, when I order iced tea, it's unsweetened, like all that kind of thing. It just—it, it, but yeah. it's, you've got to like train your, take yourself, it, it's and it takes some time for sure.
1: It really does. Absolutely. it, it yeah. it's not easy. Like yeah. again, I—I I experienced sugar anxiety when I was getting off sugar. Like, we want something sweet to finish things. We train ourselves to think that you know a meal is not done unless you have dessert and therefore if you skip dessert you start freaking out because you're like well the meal's not done it's it's a sign-off point it's a little ocd but yeah
0: i find it fascinating yeah and it's really just all about habits honestly totally okay so let's let's go back to your business we should talk more detour. about Neon peach Soda. I totally doubt. I'm fascinated about that business. I want to see when it was founded. i am doing a deep dive after this one, man. I just want to know that the peach flavor is coming out. So you can let me know when the peach flavor is the know, coming out. I will let you know. 100%. So talk to me about like the intersection between your corporate work and launching your business. I feel like for me, my corporate experience informed what I do in my business and how I run my business. I'm just kind of curious.
1: Yeah. That's a really good question. I think for me, the, the, most important thing at Sotheby's especially was you had a company that had a lot of legacy individuals who had been there for, I don't want to say a hundred years, but I wouldn't be far off. <laughs> and you had kind of a new guard as well. And the question was always, how do we make sure that these people are communicating correctly? Cause we live in a tower of Babel. There's no question about it. And we all assume that you speak my language. But the frustration happens when we realize that you don't speak my language and the inability to really reformulate and understand that person's language. Right. So that was the greatest learning from corporate life, which is like, how do I speak everybody's language and how do I speak my language in a way that doesn't make people feel stupid because we all speak in jargon. Right. And jargon is, again, I will curse on this one. Jargon bullshit. Like it's just a way for you to feel superior a lot of the time. And like, you know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hear
1: you. <laughs> One of the greatest things I learned at, at Sotheby's was from our CEO. You know, I put together a deck for our board of directors and I was including so many acronyms in it. And I was, you know, ASOB. I was like, oh, these people are, I'm going to acronym the hell out of them. They're going to be like, this kid <laughs> must know what he's talking about because I don't fucking know what he's saying. And, and we went through the board deck and he's like, no acronyms. You're not being a good communicator. All right. you're doing is making people search for what you're trying to say. And it was such a light bulb moment, which should have been intuitive. And I think that's the most important thing that I definitely have taken away from corporate life to apply to my life in general, which is like, make sure you're just speaking everyone's language, whether that's your consumer, whether that's a grocery manager, whether that's a grocery employee, a merchandiser, a broker, make sure you're speaking the language. And if they say something you don't understand, don't feel embarrassed to ask what they're
0: talking about. Right. Right. It's almost like meet people where they are. Totally. hundred percent. So speaking of communicating and communicating to people and the way that they can understand it, talk to me about your target audience, Ruby.
1: You know, my, this is always the devil's advocate answer, which is we're so early stage that like for me to say who my target audience is would be potentially me shutting doors. But that's a bullshit answer. So don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I think, I think look, I, I would love for our target audience to be everybody. Like that would, that would be the dream. Like I, right. I would love to go into a store wherever the hell And like people just try the product and they're like, we've been looking for this for for our entire lives. Right, right. And that's not the case. What we find is that consumers that respond to us best are usually women. Interestingly, they're usually women, I would say probably millennials and above. And then children, both genders, young, like five and lower. And I I attribute that again to kind of the palette makeup. When you're a kid so young, you know, or conquered grape skew has six grams of sugar from our organic concrete grape juice and you can taste that flavor and it's delicious yeah and especially if you aren't drinking coca-cola 24 7 or body armor or prime or gatorade or whatever it's a really enjoyable great nostalgic soda i would right. say but if you're like 15 years old and you're going to you know mission and pop Imp- I, I sound so old right now but whatever if you're going to the local theater and you're having a big gulp of diet of- cola, um- it, it's true though like if you're, if you're if you're regular you don't have to worry about it and your metabolism is through the roof. enjoy your pizza enjoy your soda Be right. like whatever the hell you want right um our beverage is going to be way too tart for you you're not going to enjoy it and i think men in general also just don't have as, as good dietary habits as, as women do so i do find that women and it also might be that they're more open-minded or more willing to give or be a try and usually are the purchaser
0: yeah. So talk about your branding. I mean the the packaging is beautiful. So can you just Thank can you. you actually explain like what what we're looking at here on the package?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> you're you're looking at the Rubyverse.
0: Oh, and you have to explain what the Rubyverse is too. So let's do that.
1: Um uh, the, the Rubyverse is a science fiction universe we created where, you know, the Ruby knot and a number of other alien species are fighting the great vanquisher of planets known as sugar. And it was just a ridiculous fun idea for us that kind of goes back to that bridge of communication. I wanted my brand to speak to consumers the way that I, as a consumer, want to be spoken to, which probably has a little more creativity and imagination and weirdness, just like general weirdness. So originally the glass bottle that came out was the weapon that fought the vanquisher planet known as sugar. And then as we got into the sparkling we put the Verse, the actual thing, on the can so that everyone could see where we create this weapon, which is a good weapon. It's a weapon for good.
0: Yes. Awesome. Cheers. I had a coffee.
1: You're catching me after a coffee. I, I love and it. I'm like what
0: I love it. I love it. So let's shift a little bit. So let's talk about you and like self-care. Like, how do you take care of yourself? Because I know like a lot of founders are just working and working and, yeah. and working.
1: I mean, I am. I mean, I... Uh, the self care thing i I'm, I'm always open about this, but like it's still something i'm trying to figure out. I think one thing that's shifted for me in the last few weeks is like just stop the moping it's really easy to mope and it doesn't put you in a good state of mind it's really easy to focus on the bad when there's a lot of good going on, so I really am trying to just kind of make sure i'm I'm focused on the bigger picture instead of just like the little hell scape that might be off to the right and I think that's been a really helpful just change of mind uh sleep is really important to me and making sure I get eight hours. I haven't lately like my stress has gotten to a point where like my sleeping habits over the last few months wasn't great. So yeah the self-care part I'm still figuring out man I'm not great on that part yet.
0: Yeah one thing I found helpful is like to make a list of all the things that you've accomplished because if you look at it (laughs) from when you started the company until now right yeah you there's so much that you've you know been able to do with um, launching it all because some people don't launching yeah. you know new flavors getting into all the, you know the ton of stores that you wanted to get into it's amazing so it's like something to be grateful for that that's kind of the way i look at it because you're right like focusing on the five percent of the thing that's bad doesn't help your mood at
1: all, totally and, sure. and you know what i wouldn't say like on the self-care side like talking to people and having those open conversations too, because those have been a lot of the conversations in the last few weeks that have totally pivoted my mindset where people are like, dude, you're in Whole Foods. Like, do you know how many brands like go for their entire life cycle and never get into Whole Foods? Like, just just like, think about that for a second. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's pretty good. like, whatever. (laughs) Like, it's like, shut up. Like, of course, like be be grateful, man. So definitely, you know, uh, even today, I found myself on a call being like, I don't know, like, we're stuck getting that door that we're after. And then I was like, fuck up, man, shut up. And I totally, <laughs> I switched the mindset and on the call, I was like, you know what? Like, let's focus on the good. And yeah. I felt myself going down that rabbit hole and like, totally, totally went up.
0: Yeah. All about the redirect. Totally. So how has entrepreneurship changed you?
1: My God. Uh, it makes me very grateful for corporate. It makes me very, very <laughs> Here here, here. makes me so grateful for corporate. Um, I have gotten a tougher skin. I'll tell you that like, that's, that's been, even though it sounds like I'm like a mopey whiner, I will say like the things that I look back at some of the things that like, I worried about at the beginning of this process and like, it's a laugh at this point, like now something will go so totally off the rails and be like, we'll figure it out. And we will like, that's the cool part. There's problem solving in real time but I think, I think how tough my skin has gotten through this whole experience is something that I'm really grateful for and, and what you learn. I mean, it's just nonstop learning.
0: True, 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 true. So here at Hudson Kitchen, we have what we call a money bell that we ring when we're celebrating something. So I'm um, in the lobby of, the, of my facility, like people will ring it like when they get their paycheck or when they bring on a new retail partner or whatever. So wondering like, what are you celebrating right now?
1: Uh, a few things, uh, on the retail side, you know, we just launched our Fuji Apple SKU, which is, which is our new SKU, which is doing really, really well. Fuji Apple and Berry Cherry. Hibiscus are both like, like we took our consumer feedback and we knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. And we just launched that on Thrive Market, which is just such an awesome platform and, and really grateful for their partnership. So really, really cool and glad for that one. And on the personal side, you know, like I'm, I'm having a baby in November, which oh, is
0: congratulations. like congratulations, amazing.
1: Thanks, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Oh, you'll be, fine. but <laughs> I think so. And I'm, I'm having a daughter, which is is exactly yeah, what I wanted. Yeah, so that's uh, awesome. Getting ready for that.
0: Congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, kids are, they're, it's great. Honestly, good. Do you have kids? <laughs> I do. I have two. Oh, amazing. Boy, girl. Yeah, boy, girl, and they're they're grown up. We're Twenty and and seventeen. So they're. Oh, how, how old are you? You look like you're like 28. Oh, thank you so much. I am 51 years old. What's your healthcare regimen? Let's let, let's get <laughs> to look, Let's get all this. <laughs> Tell me what you got going on. What do I need let's to do? You're doing. <laughs> oh my god. I think it's probably good genes But then also, I do. I am like a workout person. Like I'm in the gym lifting, uh, like at least four times a week. So. All right,
1: you need to send me your regimen. Like okay. we gotta, you gotta help me out. Okay. Like we gotta get this going. Jesus Christ, you're 51. Yes. God bless you, and you drink Nehi Peach Soda. You're still alive after drinking Nehi Peach Soda. (laughs) Here I am. Oh my God!
0: Whatever you're doing, keep it up, man, and send it my way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Noah, thank you so much for being here. Let everyone know where they can find out about you and and Ruby.
1: Absolutely. So, Ruby is at Ruby for Fun on Instagram, and that's all spelled out: Ruby R U B Y for F O R Fun. We're at www.ruby.fun and I always recommend signing up for our newsletter. We do cultural dispatches every other Sunday that are like really deep cuts. I write those myself and, and it's a really great outlet for me, but like, I always challenge myself to make sure that we're sending out links that you can't find anywhere else on the internet, except for that link on the internet anyway, uh, Uh, But otherwise, you can find Ruby on Amazon, Fresh Direct, Thrive Market, in Whole Foods, in our fair, in Erewhon, Fresh Time Market, Central Market. So please buy some Ruby and get off sugar.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: The Food Means Business podcast was produced by Hudson Kitchen. It is recorded at the studio at Kearney Point and mixed and edited by Wild Home Podcasting. Our theme song is by Damien DeSandes, and I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Follow Hudson Kitchen on Instagram at The Hudson Kitchen. And to get food business bites right in your inbox, sign up for our newsletter at thehudsonkitchen.com forward slash newsletter. Listen, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Until next time.